0: fleeting glimpses of things seen through a veil darkly. Do we understand the meaning of these visions of life? Why we are here and how little of our existence we truly understand? Tonight we will talk of these things on The Other Side. Welcome to The Other Side. I'm Jim Harold. So glad to be with you once again. And we have a gentleman on the line who's been on the Paranormal Podcast before. He has a new book out called American Bigfoot. And uh, his name is Jeff Hilling. He is a Bigfoot researcher, Bigfoot historian, and an accomplished Bigfoot artist. He's authored several books on the subject of the creature, including the great Bigfoot film mystery, and his two most recent books, I think they're released here at the same time, a fiction book, Bigfoot Booyah, and uh, a nonfiction book called American Bigfoot. He's currently working behind the scenes on the much-anticipated movie. He is also the creator of the website PattersonFilm.com. Jeff has also been a favorite guest on countless radio and TV talk shows internationally, including 30 Odd Minutes and Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. And we're so glad to have him with us again. Jeff Hilling, welcome to the program.
1: Jim, it's great to be back on your fine program, which is gaining steam and popularity every time I look at it.
0: Well, I'm doing everything I can. I'm trying. <laughs>
1: now, uh, let me
0: let me ask you, uh, before we get into American Bigfoot, there's been a lot this last year. Uh, I think we talked actually February of last year, when we spoke last, we talked about the Patterson film. And um, there's been a few developments in the Bigfoot field, particularly this thing about Bigfoot DNA. Just um, where do you see the state of things now? That uh, What what things have you seen in the last year have caught your interest?
1: Yeah, as far as that Bigfoot DNA case going on right now, um, can I swear on the radio? Uh,
0: Well, actually, this is not the radio, so yeah, you can swear.
1: I'll give it a one-word review. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I need to say. Okay. That's my personal research, and I could sit here and talk about that the whole show, but I don't want to, because it's not worth my time. Well, you know what? I don't deal with hoaxers. I don't deal with... uh, stuff that isn't true i'm more into things that are true um so that's 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 the evaluation that's the uh end of the report card answer well
0: well, someone someone said once said and i can't remember who it was but brevity is the soul of wit so you just uh you just took care of that for us so let's get on to more important matters american bigfoot what is the premise uh or or what is the goal uh, of the new book american bigfoot
1: what the goal is really is to put the pulse uh, put my finger on the pulse of the reality of bigfoot and what we really know about bigfoot and um it also gives some possible theories and explanations of what bigfoot is what it could be and it goes down all different avenues really yeah uh, it's a very theoretical book theoretical work and i'm very proud at the way it came out it um it came out uh Pretty good. I've gotten some uh, preliminary reviews, uh, feedback back from people who actually just purchased the book, and they wrote me and let me know they really liked it. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And um, it's, it's a little different than most of your Bigfoot books. It's not going to show you a bunch of measurements and footprints and, you know, bore you to death with a bunch of dry details. It's going to discuss everything we do know as fact, uh, discuss some of the theories and the fictions. And uh, I also introduced a few new little theories and possibilities of uh, the reality of the existence of Bigfoot.
0: One thing that caught my eye is you talk about a connection with Teddy Roosevelt, and I'm a big fan of history. And of course, Roosevelt was known as a great outdoorsman, a hunter, and so forth. What's that connection all about?
1: Um, yes, it's a great historical account of uh, Mr. Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th president of the United States. Um an encounter he had with a a gentleman It was an old trapper, basically, and um, he recounts this guy's tale that he told him about this creature that he encountered in the forest back in the late 1800s. And it goes into that in my book, American Bigfoot. You can read all about it. It's uh, it's a fascinating little historical account with uh, seemingly some pretty good credibility behind it.
0: Yeah, that does fascinate me. Now, um, the thing is, is that some people think that all of this uh, search for Bigfoot and the idea of trying to find Bigfoot is just folks trying to gin up interest in, in TV shows and books and movies and so forth that, you know, even if there is one, you, you're you're never going to find it or figure out what the truth is. Uh, do you think there's actually the possibility that at some point uh, we may actually find out if there is or if there isn't a Bigfoot?
1: I believe it's possible. And uh, if, if I didn't, I wouldn't be out there researching and looking and things like that myself. And shows like that do gather interest in the uh, subject, definitely, and they do inspire people to go out and look. And I believe that the people in the show are actually out there looking themselves, Um so I, I don't really think anything negative about things like that. But at the same time, there is sort of a, a hysteria that builds. And this, my book, American Bigfoot, kind of goes into that hysteria. The psychological Sasquatch is what I call it. And um, what, it, what it is, is a, a kind of a media-driven frenzy that actually incites a lot of hoaxing. Now this isn't done on purpose by these shows or, or just the media spotlight in general heck even i could be blamed for it just by writing books about it but at the same time the more, more me
0: doing podcasts about it yeah,
1: exactly so i mean it's just it's more of a nature of the beast hey you're gonna if something's popular at the time you're gonna have effects from that popularity both positive and negative but some of the downsides are is that you get people interested in this subject who really don't know what they're doing or they're just want to go out and have some fun and then next thing you know, we have all kinds of Sasquatch reports. Next thing you know, we have all sorts of uh, sightings, allegedly, all sorts of stuff showing up on YouTube that uh, is questionable. And um, what it does is it actually hinders people trying to do genuine research. Next thing you know, we got people saying, well, here's a photo of a Sasquatch doing this or sounding like that. And then that becomes the norm for the day in a sense. Uh, people expect the next Bigfoot to do that. And then what happens is it's actually mimicked by other people. So all of a sudden, all these hoaxers are, let's say, a Sasquatch starts whooping. Well, next thing you know, everybody's got these Sasquatches that are whooping. Right. You know, let's say he, the, some person says Sasquatch, you know, like the, one of the popular notions about Bigfoot is that he builds nests. Well, how do we know this? Well, th- these things can be traced back to certain reports and uh, certain little books that people write. or And then the next thing you know is that it becomes part of the pop culture that Bigfoot, in fact, builds nests. Whereas, you know, we don't know that. So what my book, American Bigfoot, is really trying to do is trying to put the pulse on where's the reality in all this. What do we really know about Bigfoot? And what can we be certain about? It's um, great piece of work for people who really wanted to sit there and filter out some of the junk and also give them some new ideas of some potential ideas that are stated out as theory, not facts, but uh, they, um, I, I think it's a it's a good book for people who are really into Bigfoot reality.
0: Now, you, you mentioned people who are really into Bigfoot reality, and obviously earlier you, you stated your, your opinion of the DNA, quote, research that's going on, and and uh, what you thought of it? Do you think there are some people out there though who still kind of have their head on straight and doing some good work in this area?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I know a few, and um, they're uh, definitely legitimate people. It's that the Bigfoot world is not a um, a monolithic type of type of person. It's a very multifaceted community, if you will. In other words, you have legitimate researchers out there, and then what you have is you have illegitimate ones, ones that are in it for money, for popularity. They're just trying to write a book. They're trying to become popular. They're trying to get more, you know, whatever. There's a lot of motives for the illegitimate people out there. And then you have, um, you know, kind of a, a combination of people. There's people out there who do it for a while. They start off doing real research and they realize actually how boring it is. They realize actually that you're not actually finding stuff every day like you do, you know, like you think you would or every other day or once a week. And then either they start fooling themselves or they start fooling others at that point because they're, in a sense, bored with real research.
0: Isn't there a difference between squatching for research purposes and squatching for entertainment purposes?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't really have a problem with people doing it for either reason. Uh, If they want to go out, you know, just go out with your friends and get out in God's creation and just enjoy nature, you know. Hey, if you see a Bigfoot, you see a Bigfoot. I don't have a problem with that, but it's the ones that get into it, and then they start putting out things like fake videos and fake sounds and fake uh, reports, um, things like that, that actually... Throws real researchers off track because the next thing you know they're, you know, if you've got one legitimate report, you've got fifty illegitimate ones. Well, what? How are you going to find which one's legitimate when all these other reports are coming in?
0: Now, now here's a question for you. Um, I've heard some wild theories about Bigfoot. You know, some people speculating it has some kind of supernatural uh Genesis, that's why we never find a body. Some people saying that it's uh mult they are multidimensional visitors, um something out of just an undiscovered species. Uh, what is your take on those kind of out there theories?
1: Well I, I don't um put a lot of credence into the UFO realm of Bigfoot. Um or the super interdimensional being of Bigfoot, because what we're doing then is we're answering something we don't know with something else we don't know, and we're just pushing it further out into the world of the nebulous I don't know. Um, we try to keep it real at, at, you know, in my research and um, the stuff I read. I try to make sure that I'm well-grounded in reality, because we can theoretically come up with all kinds of things. And what a lot of people don't realize in this day and age is that because you can come up with a theory about something doesn't mean it's necessarily true or even that it's a good theory. I can come up with a theory that Bigfoot is really, you know...
0: The reincarnation awesome. of Albert Einstein. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can come
1: up with all, you know, let your imagination run wild. Yeah. You know, I could yeah. say he's... a. Yeah, I mean he's really a fish, but
0: represents <laughs> like an incredible Mr. Lippitt. Um
1: yeah, I mean it's it's you know, just because I came up with that theory doesn't mean there's any validity to it or any evidence for it. So we we need to take things that are have no evidence and that are just theories and ideas came up with somebody and just leave them in the world of fiction where they belong. Because unless they have some proof for that, it's pure fiction.
0: Now, on and the other hand, go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Go ahead. No, I was I was going to end the con uh, the idea there. So go for it.
0: So so, but that's not to say that there isn't some weird stuff in connection with Bigfoot. You, you mentioned in the book that actually some of the weirder Bigfoot evidence may be the real evidence. Well, what did you mean by that?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. That's not to say that there's not a lot of weird stuff with Bigfoot. It's all weird. Uh, it's all very strange, mysterious stuff. But. Um, we don't need to get crazy with it. It's okay to get weird if the evidence is weird and the concept is weird, but let's let's go where the evidence leads us and not where our minds and our fiction and our wants uh, are. And what, what I meant really by that statement is that, um, let's see. Yeah, the um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's all right. What, what was the question again?
0: The question was, you had talked about some of the weirder Bigfoot evidence, actually maybe the real evidence. Yeah, so. the, the
1: weirder stuff is definitely um, something I think we should take a look at. And the reason I came up with this, and this is part of my theory on the American Bigfoot, is that the evidence that is weird may be... There's a certain possibility that that might be the real stuff, because if you... Understand Bigfoot, and it's an elusive creature, and it is something that is been reported very prolifically lately. you know you you can look at these reports and they're in the hundreds per year nowadays. So when you look at these reports and you see that all of a sudden you get all these very common reports like, well, the tracks are sixteen inches. Well, it's got five toes. Uh, then every once in a while you hear these three-toed kinds somewhere. How do we know that those ones aren't the real one? If everybody's kind of copying everybody nowadays with their hoaxing and their, do you understand where I'm going with this? It's, yes. it's kind of like if if Bigfoot is elusive and very scarce, wouldn't it stand a reason that maybe some of the ones that aren't that are legitimate are. Of the variety of the weird oddball evidences you know everybody thinks Bigfoot is out there knocking on trees well how do we know he knocks on trees how do we know he's not out there growling you know maybe he's he's got more of a growl whereas everybody starts getting on these tangents where it's well he does this he does that the Bigfoot tracks are 16 inches long they got five toes or eight inches wide everybody starts copying this it's it's like a template if you will the template gets copied over and over by people who are hoaxing. It it becomes like this psychological disorder going through the nation, in a sense. That's one of the possibilities. And it's possible that, so therefore some of the weirder evidence that it does not line up with this template that people have developed in their mind, that that might actually be the real stuff.
0: Interesting. Now... uh Bigfoot is a creature. Do you have a sense, if he exists, do you think Bigfoot or the species? Because uh, when we say Bigfoot, there's not just one Bigfoot. (laughs) Obviously, there would be multiple ones, I would think. Um, But uh, would you say that they're likely intelligent?
1: Well, I think everything's intelligent. Um, Every species that we have has intelligence and is gifted with its own whatever it needs. It's equipped with... uh, you know animals are all designed with what they need intelligence wise so yes Bigfoot is intelligent but to what degree that's debatable obviously it would have to be very intelligent seeing it has not has eluded mankind for all these years Um, so that in and of itself tells you that the creature is highly adapted to being secretive reclusive uh, hiding in plain sight if you will
0: Um, when we, we talk about now in the previous program that we had done, we talked at great length about the Patterson film, and I know you've done uh, a whole website on it over at pattersonfilm.com. In this book, you talk about that there was a way that Patterson could have done maybe something differently to have proven the existence of Bigfoot. Uh, your, your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, the, um, Patterson captured it on 16 millimeter film. And I, I go a lot. Another thing, my book American Bigfoot covers is it goes a lot into the format in which things are recorded on. And we live in an age nowadays where digital technology is the norm. It's everywhere and it's in everything we deal with. But what people really don't realize, and I I almost need to go into the background of this to really discuss the Patterson question. (laughs) Um, but just let just bear with me here. Um, what people don't realize is that digital technology is a lying format; <laughs> it's not a truthful format. It's a
0: yeah, lying it's a format. it's a lossy format, not a lossless. So it fills things in, but when you blow it up, it doesn't fill them in so well.
1: Well, that yeah, that's part of the equation too. But it's also a, a format in any form that is highly easy, easily manipulated. Yes. Um, whether you're in audio digital, whether you're in video digital, whether you're just in uh, straight photography digital, you can alter any of it at any time with uh, relatively inexpensive software to whatever degree you want. Now, back in Roger Patterson's day, he was using an honest format, an honest medium known as analog, whereas what you saw on the celluloid 60 millimeter film was what he was looking at right through the viewer. That was not an alterable format. And that's why today you've got really crappy singers who can, uh, you know, make a living <laughs> making pop hits because they just auto tune. Yeah, they <laughs> auto tune their voice. And that's why you can watch uh, lizards try to hawk you cheap insurance on TV. This is why all this stuff is going on. And you can also do a combination. In other words, you can take real digital footage of real actual events and then you can alter them, which is kind of a hybriding, into something that you want you can manipulate the image to do whatever you want based and it looks like it's real and that's something that people don't understand that back in roger patterson's day his format was truthful today's format everything you see could be a lie
0: no i i agree fully and the thing that people don't understand because and, and we talked about this before so i won't belabor the point but everybody says the patterson video no it wasn't a video it was film which is a totally different media. And has different properties. And the other thing about that is, is that just as you say. I think you know a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's great. We've got this uh, ubiquity of devices. You know, fifty percent of the population or more is carrying smartphones. Most of those smartphones have HD cameras in them, video cameras, so we can get more sightings of UFOs. We can get more sightings of filling the paranormal phenomena, ghosts, or. uh, Non-paranormal, at least in my mind, Bigfoot or cryptozoology. We can get more sightings of these things, which is true, and there's a good a good side to that. Don't get me wrong, but the bad side is is that everything can be faked, and it just as you say, you know. um, And the other thing that I think happens through that, in my opinion, is let's say that um, Buford uh, puts a um, a a Bigfoot fake video on YouTube and it goes viral and then uh, a debunker uh, rightfully in this case discovers that it's fake people who are just kind of normal everyday people who have an open mind say ah Buford fake his YouTube video that means they're all fake and I think that that it's a it's a double-edged sword isn't it
1: absolutely it nullifies everything but it has still gives you the possibility of it being real In other words, if somebody goes out and films a real Bigfoot, you could be filming it for 15 minutes, watching it do its thing, and it could be the most amazingly clear HD footage that's ever been known and ever been seen, and you launch it up on there, and then people are going to look at it and, rightfully so, be skeptical. Because the first thing they do is they ask, not is the creature real? Is is this film real? Is this this digital footage, has it been manipulated? Uh, Is this... uh, CGI animation I'm looking at? What is it? Whereas back in Roger Patterson's day, there was no such question. If, if it was fake, it was done at the costume level. It was a man in the costume or it was a creature. But now we, we can't even trust the source any longer of what we're looking at, which which has, has to give you the conclusion that we are, in a sense... If we're looking to capture Bigfoot and prove the existence that just simply putting a camera out there is not going to do any good. Now you can use cameras in your own research. I don't have any problem with that. People using tree cameras and things like that uh, trying to basically detect the location of the creature or for themselves trying to prove the existence of it but bringing that that technology and that evidence out into the general public it's essentially no good. And and I get into that in my book, too, American Bigfoot. I talk about corporate evidence, personal evidence. I talk about uh, general evidence. And these evidences are very important. So, in other words, if I put a tree camera out there in the middle of the woods where I know there's nobody just hanging out, I'm out in the forest, and I get pictures of a Bigfoot, I know it's real for myself because there's just certain spots where people don't know where your camera is, and it's not going to be a hoax. To me, that is completely real, and I need to, from there on out, follow the lead. However, if I release it to the public at that point and say, look, public, I found Bigfoot. I proved the existence of Bigfoot. Even though I know it's real, everybody else should be very skeptical of my picture because really, in a sense, it says nothing. I could have made that picture. It could be a guy in a suit. It could be a setup. It really means nothing to everybody else.
0: One of the points that I think skeptics bring up that I think, you know, hold some weight, at least with me, because I quite frankly, I'm on the fence. I could go either way. I think it's possible that there may be a Bigfoot species out there, and I think it's possible that there's not. I, I'm not really – this is one of the paranormal phenomena – Not excuse me not uh, paranormal, Fordian, I would say, Fordian phenomena that um, I'm kind of on the fence about. I mean, uh, I could go either way. And and one thing that they uh, point out, the skeptic, skeptics, that is, is the lack of a body. Now, to me, that makes sense because you would think in the history, in modern history, at least however many years we've been looking at this phenomenon, certainly, uh, Since the Patterson film uh, uh, almost 50 years ago, um, we've been looking at it pretty seriously and nobody has found a body. So what is your thought on that, the lack of a Bigfoot body, uh, a specimen, to kind of help bring this along?
1: Well, that part doesn't actually bother me at all. And I I am a very, um, as you well know, I'm not a full-fledged, full-blown believer. I'm not a skeptic either. I'm a realist when it comes to this. So, but that part actually doesn't bother me in the least because I live in the forest here and I'm surrounded by thousands of acres, state land and things. And there's uh, tons of deer where I live. Now, I will see deer carcasses all the time. People either hit them, they just die. Uh, You know, the buzzers around here and the eagles are eating them up. uh, Right. I see them all the time. However, there's a lot of bear around here, too. There's a lot of black bear. You know, people hunt them and whatnot. And they're very prolific. But at the same time, I don't see as many bear personally with my eyes. I've seen it, seen bear several times, but not nearly as much as I see deer. And I've never seen a corpse of a bear, and neither do people who hunt bears. You just don't find bear bodies laying dead. You simply won't find them. They go off to die somewhere. They, they, they're a very much more elusive creature than the deer. And yeah,
0: um, that's a good point.
1: So, but bears, you know, there's no shortage of them really. Uh, And to think that a Bigfoot versus a bear as far as the population potential has got to be, you know, probably, you know, thousand percent less Bigfoots out there than bears, let's say. And I think that's being generous. Um, So to say you never see a Bigfoot body just laying out somewhere, that doesn't surprise me in the least.
0: Well, it is a fascinating discussion of uh, of this phenomena. It's my perception that um, if you mention the word Bigfoot, and you do free association with the general population today, that what you're going to hear back is going to be much more negative uh, than it might have been 35 years ago. And I think we've mentioned the reasons, you know, people hoaxing, maybe the media making light of it and those kind of things. Do you think that there's ever any possibility that the topic of Bigfoot will ever be taken seriously again?
1: Well, I think it is taken seriously, to be quite honest. I don't know that everybody's found this subject to be a joke. I mean, it's a very popular subject nowadays. I will agree. And I think a lot of people don't take it seriously. But a lot of people never will either until, right. you know, that's not their gig anyways. Well, you know, everybody's into different things. And But until there's actually some kind of body recovered, um, that's really the only way at this point in time you're ever going to prove it. Digital cameras aren't going to prove anything. They're still useful in research, but they're not a proven, you know, this is how we're going to go about proving the existence of Bigfoot well, forget about it if you're planning on just getting a picture of it. You know, you can prove it to yourself that way. You can make people interested and spur up controversy with a picture, but actual proof those days are come and gone really because of the digital era. And going back to that question earlier with Roger Patterson, you know, he could have actually proven, I believe, Bigfoot, had he gotten... A little better footage. Uh, His footage was really good, but I think if Roger Patterson could have gotten the type of footage that I described, you know, where Bigfoot's just going about his daily business for 15 minutes and, you know, walking through the woods, eating stuff, um, and it was very good close-up footage on an analog system, I believe that indeed would have proven the existence without actually having to kill one. Uh, or come up with a body of some sort, or capture one. But unfortunately, people don't use that equipment anymore, and um, it kind of makes all the other types of equipment, as far as proof goes, null and void. If it
0: exists, what do you think it is?
1: I believe it would be some sort of uh, gorilla, or its own species altogether. Um, It could just be a Bigfoot. And that's that's something that people don't usually talk about. What if it's just his own species, just like a dog's his own? You know, it, you got wolves and dogs. You know, they're they're basically related. Well, right. What if uh, Bigfoot was just Bigfoot? Or it, it could very well be a North American type of ape. But a lot of people don't agree with that theory anymore, because I think a lot of the pop culture in the art portrayals of Bigfoot has kind of brought them into another realm Um, like I said it it goes back to that well what if the least popular and the least what what if some of the more odd evidence is actually the real deal that kind of makes sense because if everybody's saying they see Bigfoot and they they come up with these descriptions that all match each other and there are a lot of people out there hoaxing well it makes sense that everybody's given this kind of template description, and the people actually seeing Bigfoot might be seeing something that looks more like a monkey or more like a gorilla, but those descriptions of Bigfoot oftentimes are poo-pooed as the ones not being, you know, falling in line with the perceived notion of what Bigfoot is. So a lot of researchers actually nowadays will not take something like that seriously. In other words, if I say, I think I saw Bigfoot, it looked like a gorilla, uh, but it wasn't a gorilla, but it looked very gorilla like, very animal like and it you know its feet actually weren't that big they were you know let's say they were about the size of my feet well would anybody go follow up on that lead probably not because really people have these uh, even researchers have this notion that it has to be this tall it has to smell bad it has to have <laughs> this size of foot and if it doesn't you know everything else is just uh not worth my time whereas i think of it absolutely the opposite i think that some of these weirder things these oddball things actually have the potential of being the real deal
0: that's uh, that's very interesting now i i want folks to know where they can pick up on the the book both a uh, your your fiction book and 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 by the way please do give us a a little elevator speech on what that fiction book is about and uh American Bigfoot where can they pick it up and again we we'd like to hear a little bit about that uh fiction book as well
1: Sure absolutely I yeah you know, just released a fiction book it's a work with four great stories of uh encounters with the creature Bigfoot and um the title is Bigfoot Booyah, and it's kind of a strange title. Maybe some of you don't know what a booyah is, but uh, it's a kind of a strange mixture of uh, concoction of soups that people around the northern parts here, BFWs, church functions, things like that. They like to make this thing called booyah. You know, they throw all this stuff into a big pot, and then they charge you a couple bucks to come and grab a cup. Um, <laughs> And that's kind of what this book's about. It's, a, it's kind of a conglomeration of stories that are kind of thrown together into this big, Bigfoot pot. So it's kind of its own description at the same time. But there's also a title story called Bigfoot Booyah. It's a great uh, little story about a couple of sausage-eating suckers from the 60s, sucking down some suds and sow squatch and a surreal story of survival in the snow. With a lot uh, of alliteration. Yes, absolutely. The whole book is alliteration from cover to cover. Nothing but alliteration. I use the word S, the letter i so. no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that would be a crazy book. I actually wish I could write something that good. Um, and it, there's four stories, and there's another one called Summer of Sasquatch and the Symposium. And then the best one, I believe, of the book is called The Legend of Junkyard Charlie, uh, where the tagline for that book is, Don't nib the Monkey with a Monkey with a Monkey Wrench. So, you know, it's, it's a good book. It's It's got some humor, it's got some scariness, it's got some little bit of everything, but it's not your typical uh, slasher stuff. It's a little little well, more well thought out, I believe.
0: Excellent. And, uh, and, pick, and go ahead. I, you were yeah, going to say big, what I was going to ask you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can pick it up at PattersonFilm.com and uh, buy it with PayPal or credit card, whatever you like. Uh, you can pick American Bigfoot up at a PattersonFilm.com too, and there's there's some also some online versions for you uh, geeks with e-readers and all that. Uh, you can pick those up somewhere too. Uh, Excellent. Look around. Uh, I think Barnes and Noble carries them, Kobo, Sony, things like that. But um, yeah, they're they're um, pretty interesting Bigfoot books, and uh, I think your readers are going to learn, uh, your listeners are going to learn a lot from uh, American Bigfoot, and I think they'll have a lot of fun with Bigfoot Booya.
0: I think so. And I really appreciate it. I enjoy your insight on this because it's not out there. It's uh, feet firmly planted on the ground to have some great discussion about cryptozoology and specifically about Bigfoot. Jeff Hilling, thank you for joining us on The Other Side today.
1: Thank you, Jim. You've got a great show and God bless you and your listeners.
0: Thank you, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Stay tuned for that new ghost show that we're going to be launching in early April. I think that you'll enjoy it, and that will be in addition to all of the other Plus Club shows, so you're getting more value. And we thank you so much for being a part. We will talk to you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.